We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And the season is finally here. Chargers, Washington, uh, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in Washington. Man, I'm going to be so excited. Everything we've been looking forward to from the draft to the offseason to OTAs to training camp, we're all going to finally get to see the finished product. And so I'm super excited. Now, uh, in this video, we're going to be doing our usual analytical stuff um, that we normally do. Uh, but, you know, there isn't a ton of data to go off of, mind you. So a lot of it will be preseason data and 2020 stats. So as usual, I'm not going to waste anyone's time. Let's jump straight into what we want to talk about. So real quick, let's just look at how the Washington football team performed in the preseason. As you can see, they were one of the worst teams in the preseason, to put it bluntly. Uh, below average offensive EPA per play and way below average defensive EPA per play allowed. Uh, but again, the preseason doesn't really show much when, when it comes to how a team performs. And there's really no correlation because as you can see, the Bucks had the worst offense by a pretty substantial margin. And we all know they probably have one of the best offensive rosters in the NFL. So you can see um, the, the football team did not perform that well, but again, it's probably not going to translate. So, you know, we're going to just run through a couple of things that I put together, a couple of stats that I think were worthwhile. And again, these will get better as the season goes along, as we'll have more data to look at and more graphs to put together. But, you know, let's just start with the quarterback, Brian Fitzpatrick. How, how did he perform in 2020? Well, in 2020, if we just look at the graph, he actually so, shows up very highly. He had the uh, sixth best EPA per play. Remember, EPA stands for expected points added, and it is one of the, if not the best, uh, measure of quarterback play outside of like maybe PFF passing grades, which has shown a predictiveness from year to year. But yeah, Fitzpatrick was a really uh, efficient quarterback on the Dolphins last year. That's saying a lot, given that he was playing with guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and Mike Gusecki as his you know, top targets. And guys like Preston Williams missed half the year with, with injuries. So Fitzpatrick did have a career revival last year. Um, my guy, uh, Tage Seth, who's been on a couple episodes here on the Guiltiest Charge, put together this awesome uh table so looking at each quarterback's completion percentage over expected uh by depth 
So you can see Fitzpatrick was, you know, by PFF's charting system, uh, one of the best um, passers in terms of accuracy. But um, this metric does take into account, um, you know, receiver separation. And because Fitzpatrick didn't have a ton of separation, his uh, completion percentage over expected, aka CPOE, was super high. Um, so made by my guy, Tage Seth, he now goes by Tage FB analytics. Make sure to go uh, check him out on Twitter. He's going to be posting stuff like this all the time during the season. So Fitzpatrick super accurate last year. Um, if we look at some of the other stats I uh, put together, he had, it, this is coming from the preseason for Fitzpatrick. So 50% of his yards came through the air, which I thought was super uh, important to note that, you know, he's going to be airing it out a lot. We saw a couple of those deep balls to guys like Deami Brown, uh, Curtis Samuel wasn't playing in the preseason, so we didn't really get to see their full offense per se, but you know, 50% air yards. Uh, he had a 2.55 time to throw, which is like right about average, just a little, maybe on the little bit of a higher side, but he is, he has uh, been notorious for getting the ball out quick. And I think that's something we're going to see um, this season and a 34% play action rate. Like Fitzpatrick isn't the most mobile quarterback, but he isn't a standstill uh, pocket passer like Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady. All right. So he's going to be on the move here and there. Um, I would expect this number to stay where it's at, maybe a little bit lower. Now, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, right? The, the Washington football team went on and signed Curtis Samuel in the offseason. Um, it could be a potentially, you know, uh, sneaky wide receiver duo when it comes to efficiency, when it comes to stats. Uh, McLaurin last year, 9.7 average depth of target. So he wasn't being used a lot as like a deep passer uh, or a deep receiver guy, um, even though he has a ton of speed. Uh, but that is because he was playing with guys like Alex Smith, and uh, Kyle Allen, who aren't really the most notorious for throwing the ball deep. He also had a 31% slot rate, so he wasn't being used in the slot a whole lot, um, mainly used as an outside guy. He forced, forced, he forced 14 missed tackles on after receptions, and he only had a 5.2 yards after catch per reception. So, you know, he isn't, he isn't going to be too much of a yards after catch guy, but, you know, it, it is, this is one of the things that having no data is, is tough to do because, you know, we don't really know what this offense is going to look like. They're going from Alex Smith, the checkdown king, to Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy who will just throw it up, you know, because he wants to. You know, this is going to be a completely different offense. But again, I will present and predict what I think is going to happen. Curtis Samuel, same thing. He's actually been injured um, the entire preseason, so that might be something to monitor. Uh, he had a 7.6 average depth of target. He was using the slot in Carolina at a 72% clip last year and that was with guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore so I would expect Samuel to be in the slot a whole lot um this year uh he you know as we know is a pretty good runner of the football from the wide receiver position 200 rushing yards 12 missed tackles forced on runs which is you know pretty good he actually had more missed tackles forced on runs than he did on receptions which I thought was a pretty cool stat and he had 144 yards come after the contact now the Washington football team also drafted Sam Cosme offensive tackle out of Texas in the second round. And so I gave, I thought they were, they have a pretty good offensive line, right? From left to right, you're looking at um, uh, Charles Leno Jr. Who came, who came from the Bears at left tackle, a uh, Wes Schweitzer at left guard, Chase Rullier at center, who I think got paid this offseason or last offseason. He got a pretty big extension. Um, then you got Brandon Sheriff, one of the, if not the best, or one of the best right guards, you know, Zach Martin, uh, Wyatt Teller are up there. Uh, so Brandon Sheriff at right guard. And then I, I'm pretty sure Sam Cosme is going to be starting a right tackle. So you have a rookie right tackle 
Joey Bosa normally plays against the right tackle. So, you know, the question is, you know, how much doubling of Bosa do we see, right? Does Sheriff help out a lot or do they trust Cosme to, to go against Bosa one-on-one? And from what I've seen in the offseason and from the training camp clips, Bosa has been really good. Like he beat Mike McGlinchey a couple of times in the joint practices with San Francisco. So, you know, if they do decide to double Bosa with Brandon Sheriff or chip him with like a Logan Thomas tight end chip, right? You're going to have, you're going to need to see guys like Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones step up. Remember Brandon Staley is going to get his edge rushers and his uh, D linemen one-on-one matchups. So now the question is who's going to convert those one-on-one matchups into, into wins and the pressures and the QB hits and sacks. So um, they only allowed seven pressures the, the starting offensive line. So I went and looked at each of the start projected starters and counted their pressures. They only allowed seven, but again, they're not, they only played about 30%, maybe less than 30% of the snaps as a whole. Uh, they, as, as a team, you know, this includes their depth players. They only, they actually had a pretty good 70.5 pass blocking grade. If we actually go to a tweet I put out um, with where they ranked. So this is their offensive line breakdown they actually had a pretty good offensive line you know right above right around like a 67 run blocking grade uh yeah 67 68 run blocking grade and right below like a a 70 uh pass blocking grade okay so now we all know the story of this game is going to be that defensive line when you invest four first round picks into your defensive line it's going to be good because defensive line uh is one of those positions where you have to invest a premium pick in just because the rate of hitting on a later round pick is much, much harder, right? So we know Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. I mean, and this is going to be a very tough matchup for this Chargers offensive line week one. I don't care how improved they got, you know, th- there's probably going to be a decent amount of pressure that Justin Herbert is under. And I'm being like, I'm being real serious right now. Like this is going to be a real test of number one coaching and cohesiveness. They struggle at the gate, which is honestly like it should be expected that they haven't gone. I don't think they've had a single rep in live scrimmages against other teams together as a whole. Like it, when the 49ers came over for the joint practices, Belaga was out and Slater were, were out. So, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I don't know where Chase Young is going to line up, if he's going to go against Slater, Belaga. Um, but yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a tough matchup. Um, and their defensive line is, you know, as a whole, their defense forced 29 pressures in the preseason, uh, five sacks, and they had a 22% pressure rate, which is pretty damn good. So expect to see a lot of um, chips, I would say, from tight ends. I think you could see a guy like Trey McKitty get a little more run in this game just because of his, uh, you know, how, how uh, his projection as a blocker compared to a guy like Jared Cook. Um, we could also see a lot, of, a lot of quick passes, which is something I think, you know, Fans might get a little worried about that. Hey, you know, why is Justin Herbert throwing the ball so quick? This is going to be a matchup where you need to get the ball out quick before pressure arrives. And it's probably going to be part of the game plan, which is leading me to my next thing, Jamin Davis. Jamin Davis was the 19th overall pick, I believe, first round selection for the Washington football team. He is a rookie linebacker, and linebackers tend to have one of the highest learning curves when it comes to college to pro uh, play. So 
you know, if, if you're a fantasy guy, I would be starting Austin Eckler without hesitation, even in like daily fantasy lineups. I do think they're going to try to target Jamin Davis, um, whether it be over the middle or in man coverage. And so I'm not too worried about their linebacking group, but I'm definitely worried about how this defensive line is going to be against our new look offensive line. And finally, a pretty, they have a pretty solid secondary, right? There's top two corners, William Jackson, the third, who they signed in the offseason, and Kendall Fuller, who's a holdover from last year. They're getting back Landon Collins from that Achilles injury and Cameron Curl, who was a really good late find for them. So Jackson, 76.4 passer rating allowed last year, eight forced incompletions, two interceptions, but he did allow 13, 15 plus yard completions, which means he is prone to the deep ball, but you know, he's he's a pretty solid corner when it, you know, when you look at his stats overall. And Kendall Fuller, he actually had a better uh, passer rating allowed. He only had a 67 passer rating allowed, eight forced incompletions, but he also had four interceptions. Now you look at the stats and be like, wow, you know, these guys are actually pretty good. Well, I'm here to calm your nerves a little bit. Coverage as a whole and per player is very volatile from year to year, which means, you know, a player could have a really good year one year when it comes to stuff like passer rating allowed or interceptions, but the next year they could be complete like crap and they, they could see a drastic decrease when it comes to their stats. A great example would be like a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, defensive rookie of the year, year one, really bad year two, really good year three, you know, holding guys like Amari Cooper to minimal stats in their, in, in their matchups, and then year four, another bad year. So, you know, don't expect too much out of, out of their secondary. I would say, like, they're still, you know, William Jackson's a new player, in, in their scheme and then Landon Collins is also coming off a pretty significant ACL or Achilles tear but you know this could be a really good group or they could see that volatility from year to year and they could potentially flop in their first game um I thought I made this graph in the offseason uh William Jackson he was a really really good man corner not that good in, or he was like slightly below average when it came to his own but again he was a pretty good corner last year which leads me to my final Thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. I actually wrote this really cool article for PFF, why preseason defensive tendencies matter. So um, this is something that I was like super interested in. And so what I found was the defensive, the defenses that teams play in the preseason actually translate to the regular season. So when you look at a graph like this, right, in a, in a five-year span, so we have a large sample size, the type of defenses and the rate at which they play these defenses in, in the preseason actually translate to the regular season. So there isn't that much of a drop-off when it comes to like playing cover one or playing cover three in the preseason and regular season. And so you can see like there, it is a pretty linear relationship. So teams that play that have a high cover one rate in the preseason, you can see why axis is preseason. Those teams will also have a high cover one rate when it comes to the regular season. So what can we do with this information, right? Like what is this supposed to show? Well, I'll tell you. If I, so I'm gonna go to my next and final thing that, that we'll wrap up with. Um, so I actually was able to take a look at Washington's defensive coverage rates and schemes um, from the preseason. And I'm gonna be showing it to you guys. And honestly, we can predict what Washington is gonna be running against the Chargers because of the data that shows that regular season uh, coverage rates are actually correlated to preseason coverage rates. So Washington ran zone at about a 60% clip. They ran man at about a 40% clip in the preseason. I would honestly expect their zone rate to go up just a little bit and their man rate to go down a little bit. 
but they ran cover one at a 33% clip. And given how you know solid William Jackson and Kendall Fuller are in man, this rate could stay the same. And in fact, they played cover three at a 33% rate as well. So what does this mean, right? This means Washington is probably going to be showing a high number of single high looks. Remember this whole offseason, I've been talking about how Brandon Silly wants to show two high safeties. I honestly think Washington's going to go the other way just because of how much they play cover three and cover one. And if we add, you know, cover three, um, this is called cover three slot, I believe. If, you know, it's pretty much cover three, except the slot defender takes the vertical route. You know, they pretty much rank cover three at a 38% clip, right? And when it, when it comes to cover four, um, they ran it at about a 22% clip, which isn't like that bad, which isn't that, but it isn't that high as well, right? So, you know, expect a lot of single high uh, stuff, expect a decent amount of man, especially coming out of a cover one. Uh, Washington doesn't seem like that big of a blitz team, but they also don't need to because they have Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, uh, Montez Sweat, and a, and a sneaky guy you guys should watch out for, Matt Ioannidis. He had like eight sacks in 2019. Uh, could be a really good defensive rotational piece for them. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed and are looking forward to this first game after, you know, so many months of waiting. Um, you know, this will be a good test. Washington is a pretty solid football team all around. You know, there's a lot of questions with them. Is Fitzpatrick going to fit? Is he going to be a good quarterback? Is their defensive line as good as advertised? But there's also a lot of questions with us, right? Like, what is Justin Herbert going to look like? What is his offense, defense? Is Derwin James going to be back to full form? Which I think he will, but you never know. Um, other things to monitor, right? Like, are, are the Chargers going to be doing a lot of shadowing, right? Like, is Michael Davis, with his speed, just going to stay with Terry McLaurin, who runs a 4-3, right? Because both of them are pretty fast. Is Chris Harris going to be mainly used on the outside? Do they trust Asante Samuel to play on the outside with his size? Right. Well, a lot of things to monitor, but, you know, again, I'm super excited and I'm really looking forward to this season for the Chargers and make sure to leave any comments of any uh, potential things going into week two that I could look into for the Cowboys. And with that, as always, bolts up.